I yeah, am so glad I have left this show in such capable, capable hands. Yeah. Hello, welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 74. With me, as always, my two fantastic co-hosts. First off, we got Jess Dunks. Hello, everybody. This is Jess. <laughs> we also have Brian Prilliman. Who has apparently fallen silent. Oh, you missed that intro. I was on mute. <laughs> it's probably not, it's probably how you really wanted this show to start. Oh, Brian's not Bro. talking. Finally, 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 he's gone. <laughs> we we have a very special guest with us today. Blossom. Uh, oh, Blossom, that, uh, Blossom. What's that? What? Go. Oh, I was just to say we have a very special guest with us today who is uh, hopefully those of you who are longtime listeners will recognize. We have awesome, amazing regional coordinator Sean Catanese here with us today to discuss our topics. Um, Yay. Yay. And he was a previous host of the show. For those of you that don't know, way back before the three of us uh, had anything to do with the show. In fact, I think he might have been doing JudgeCast before I was a certified judge. Back when the show was educational. Yep. So when we constantly refer to the the longest lightning bolt ever uh, episode, uh, that would be Mr. Mr. Seacat here. Uh, that was back on his watch. And uh, yeah, so I think this was a, this was a podcast when Sean was doing it. This was a podcast that I listened to and it, that that helped inspire me to become a judge and helped me uh, learn the stuff I need to know. So. Me too. All those things. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks, guys. Actually, it means a lot to hear that. Um, I, yeah, it's 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 been a long, strange trip in some ways. Um, I'm really <laughs> really glad to have you guys uh, taking on the show, and and really glad to um, to be able to come back and and chat with you guys from time to time like this. So, in a way, we're your fault. <laughs> yes, and way. if uh, if you are hearing my voice right now. You have my deepest apologies <laughs> for all the many hours wasted, the minutes gone by, um, all the things that you wish you could have been doing when instead you were listening to these clowns. However, um, <laughs> hopefully you've gleaned something useful from this. And actually, I'm, I'm sure you have uh, because you're still listening. So, yes. And if you're not listening, well, then 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 you're not listening. You're not listening to me. So, 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 so we this back to the great, wonderful host, uh, CJ here. Hey, that's me. Uh, so we didn't just have Sean on just for um, just because we like him. But uh, something big just happened in your life, Sean. Uh, yeah. So I'm uh, now level four judge. Uh, which, what? Uh, that makes there are 10 of us now around the globe. Um, we're spread out geographically pretty well. Um, basically, there are outposts of, of level four judges in uh, you know, a wide range of, of countries, you know, near and far. And, uh, it's a really, yeah, it's a, it's a immense, uh, responsibility and an immense honor to be, uh, promoted to that. And I'm, I'm very, uh, gratified and grateful, uh, for the, basically everyone who's helped me in the program to, to get to this point, including you guys, um, uh, because, uh, you know, if JudgeCast was just a flash in the pan uh, and didn't continue on, um, I think that would also have, have, uh, well, it, it wouldn't be the same for me. So how, how did they No, this was, this happened at, at GP Oakland, correct? Uh, yes. How, how far in advance were you aware that they were doing this? Like, or did they just, did they just like drop out of the, did the Jack check ninjas just drop out of the ceiling and hand you the burgundy shirt? <laughs> so, um, so, so 
Andy Hecht, uh, back in, I think, July, uh, started talking to me about sort of the around the edges of what it means to be a level four judge. That is, uh, you know, do you have uh, time that you've already spent making level three judges, helping people get to the point where they're regional leaders, where they're regional contributors to the program and, and other people are contributing in significant ways? Have you exhibited that kind of leadership yet? Have you been a part of somebody's L3 testing? Um, all those, all those questions there. And then, um, and those sorts of things then morphed into the question of, okay, well, at some point, you know, are you interested in level four? You know, if we, if we promoted you, would you turn us down for instance, which would be really strange, but, um, that's a good question to ask. Um, and then also, you know, if you were level four, what kinds of things would you do? How would you contribute at that level? And how would that be different than you just being the RC that you are now? Uh, the regional coordinator that you are, and the level three judges that you are, what, what would look differently? For, what would look different from your perspective? So the, uh, all those questions started uh, back in July. So it's been a couple of months to keep all this under my hat. But then at the same time, um, it was a surprise for me at Oakland because uh, what Andy had talked to me about was, well, you know, there's, you know, you're if you show up at Grand Prix Detroit, um, you know, mid-September, maybe you know, we can we can make sure that it happens there. The actual formal advancement, once we've had some time to work out a transition and figure out, you know, what exactly you want to be doing in that position, that sort of thing. And so for it to happen at Oakland a few weeks ahead of that was uh, was uh, it, it, it was a surprise then, and it was also a lot more meaningful because Oakland is uh, is in a lot of ways Emmys in my hometown now, but the community here in the Bay Area has been my home, uh, and Northern California has been my home for you know basically all my life, and so the players here and the, the other judges here uh, know me very well, and uh, it meant a great deal to to be able to celebrate that with them. Um, not that the guys in Detroit aren't, aren't going to be awesome, but um, it's not it your meant backyard. A great, exactly, right. it meant a great deal. So, uh, so that was the surprise factor of it. So, what all? What all? When when they asked you what you would do, like above and beyond uh, uh, being just L three regional coordinator, you know, what would you do? Uh, can you share any of that with us, or is that all super secret? Um, no, actually, it's definitely something I can share with you. Um, it's. Basically, my primary area of interest, um, and you guys sort of know this just from uh, my history with with this podcast, is community relations. That is, um, what do we do as a as the judge program, as this group of you know highly invested volunteers reaching out to all these other players, stores, other judges around the world. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of room for uh, things to go very well in that communication and things to go very poorly in that communication. And so, for instance, um, <clears throat> so how, how to resolve disputes between players, um, that's actually you know, resolving, uh, you know, escalating, resolving situations like that. Um, and then also resolving disputes between judges. Um, that's something that a regional coordinator does on a regular basis. Um, and then also how to handle difficult players, uh, it, basically uh, relations between stores. Uh, these are all things that regional coordinators do on a daily basis, but being able to take those practices and, and amplify them beyond just regional coordinators dealing with uh, – I mean some of these only regional coordinators should deal with, but 
everyone should know how to resolve a dispute between players or be able to identify a situation that's escalating between a player and a judge and being able to help resolve it amicably. Um, so taking those skills where I, I've presented on conflict resolution, I've presented on uh, you know community building, that sort of thing, taking those skills and, and applying them to uh, broader ranges than just the California, Arizona, Nevada, and formerly Utah that I, I you know, had some oversight of as a regional coordinator. Um, so taking that and, and applying it more, more globally. Um, and then also, there's not a whole lot that tells us what to do in your situation. You, you, you know, CJ, Brian, uh, and Jess, when somebody sticks a microphone in the face of a judge and says, hey, what do you think about blah, then the judge should you know, be able to know that, you know, for instance, there's a, a great way to represent the program and there are other ways to represent the program that are probably less great. And there's probably, you know, especially in that public interaction sphere, um, there's a lot of room for sort of guiding uh, judges through that. Not only just, you know, hey, media shows up at an event that you're at and they want to interview you and ask you these questions and they ask you an awkward question. You don't know how to deal with it. How do you, you know, giving somebody some guidance on that, but then also um, giving judges who are already in the public sphere on a regular basis um, the ability to have formal program support, formal structure to um, to be, have recognition, um, and also to be able to come to you know somebody for guidance or for help. Um, so, for instance, you guys here on JudgeCast, um, one of the first things I've done as an L four is um, yeah, every time there's another pro tour coming up and new judge foils being released. Um, a number of the high-level judges get together and they have a number of, of uh, sort of recognition slots that they can uh, use where uh, those foils will get sent out to the regional coordinators for distribution so that uh, judges who are doing awesome things as part of the program but who aren't going to be at the Pro Tour uh, will still get some sort of recognition. And so um, the three of you guys are actually three of, of my first recognitions that I'm sending out, um, along with uh, along with Aaron Lacuse over at um, over at uh, Monday Night Magic, uh, because he's also a judge that's in the public sphere. Wait, um, sort of. Oh, that, Lacluse. Is that Lacluse? Is that Doctor Science? Doctor Science. Yes. So Aaron. Uh, time machine. Yeah, and clues is actually what they I think they call them on the show. But anyway, yes. Aaron, Aaron has basically been um, part of Monday Night Magic for quite a long time, and he's provided that judge's perspective there. And I don't really know. I, I haven't really been able to see the extent to which he's been formally recognized for his contributions. And it sort of makes sense that you guys wouldn't have had that yet because you know you're not you, you span multiple regions, you span multiple areas. Um, you know, you're taking questions from all around the world. Um, right. especially Antarctica, apparently. Um, but you know, you're, you're taking questions from all over the world and your, 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 your reach, uh, expands globally as well. So it makes sense that, you know, you should have some sort of formal structure and support. Um, and so that's one of the things I'm hoping to do here. Um, and so that's basically taking that, that, and, uh, you know, doing that through, Conference, conference materials, um, you know, in, in your cases and, and whenever questions, serious questions come up, direct mentorship, um, you know, facilitating discussions. That's something I've done locally here uh, to resolve conflicts, um, you know, articles, uh, all that sort of thing. Um, and also um, they're contributing to the uh, the advancement process also by, by sort of 
um, the the interview questions that we want to ask somebody who's trying to advance to level three or someone who's trying to advance to level two even. Um, there are questions there that we can ask that can definitely help um, guide somebody so that they understand um, what's expected and also so that we can understand them as a candidate uh, better uh, in this area especially, uh, this you know relations with players, relations with other judges. Um, so those are all things that I'm interested in, in doing. Um, bringing it into a cohesive, like two word sentence, it's or two word phrase. It's tough. I would, I mean, you might call it community outreach, but or community relations, but that's sort of a uh, that's a pretty squishy sort of description. Feels very broad. Is that, is that going to be your sphere, as it were, or? Uh, yeah, I mean the, the the formal, you know, pillars and spheres sort of structure is is less formal these days, as you've probably seen. Um, but there still are definitely, um, you know, Toby still focuses on policy. Jeff Morrow still focuses on the L3 advancement process. That is, you know, until the end of the year here. Um, and so there's definitely uh, that. And I actually should mention also, um, I, I think Jeff was on your show a couple shows ago. Is that right? Yeah, just last episode. Okay, right. And so he, he actually came up to me in Oakland and apologized because – he had just told you guys that he's stepping down and he was like, oh, well, now people are going to see that you're advancing. They're going to think you're taking taking over what I was doing and that you're just you're just taking my spot. Um, and I'm actually not um, Jeff's. Nobody can take his spot. Well, yes, absolutely not. Um, but also Jeff's own responsibilities um, with regard to the L3 advancement process are, you know, he's defined the process very well. We may not need a level four to take that on. It may be a level three that takes that on. Um in terms of the the actual um, policy upkeep, that sort of thing, we'll have to see who who actually takes that on. But that's not necessarily where I'm headed. Right. Uh, so it's it's sort of uh, different purposes there. Yeah. And you gotta you gotta be, uh, I'll say, getting or continuously looking at L3s to promote to L4 because just natural attrition, even even without the the, the like the plan step downs. I mean, some L4s are gonna retire well, just because of the, I don't know the demands, that. right? I don't know about that. It is a demanding position. Yeah. Uh, the L4 list is very, very active. But I do think that, um, you know, if you look at the people who've advanced to level four in the last year, you know, this is a, this is a legitimate question. I, I talked to Andy about this when he was proposing to me, you know, hey, let's talk about advancement. I said, well, you know, I want to still be in the program two years from now. I don't want to burn out. I want to make sure that, that I'm still a part of this. And you know, we, we sort of, you know, I sort of walked through the process of saying, well, well, who has advanced and, and where are they now? And yeah, some have stepped down to level three after being promoted to level four, but they have specific reasons for that. Um, and then also um, a number have advanced to level five from there. Um, and like, like Lems, for instance, is one of those. Um, and then also, you know, the ones that were promoted to level four in the last five years or so, they're, most of them are still at level four or five. So I don't know that burnout or attrition is really as big a, it, because we have just a small number of people when just one switches, then there's a, uh, there's sort of a, a big feeling like, well, that's, it makes a large impact and it certainly does, but yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call it a trend. Well, I just, I just thought that it had been, we were, you know, like, a year, year and a half into 40 GPs a year as opposed to 20. Mm-hmm. And so the there is a greater demand uh, for GP head judges than there was, say, three years ago. Uh, yes, th- there certainly is. And 
And that question of of finding someone to take on those head judge roles is definitely uh, something that's present in, in a lot of minds in the program. Definitely, um, I definitely I, I'm absolutely looking forward to head judging my first Grand Prix. Is that uh, sometime, already in uh, sometime next year is probably when I'll take one of those on. Um, the ones for this year, I believe, are already planned out. I'll need to double check that, but I believe that's true. Um, although in Detroit, I will be um, in Burgundy, uh, sort of as uh, the as an appeals judge under Jared. So um, they'll be. But again, that if you look at the Grand Prix, especially in the U.S. You know, we were very well covered for level four pluses. Um, you know, at, at Oakland, we had four four people that were level four plus on staff. Um, in Detroit, it's actually it's the same. It, it's the same uh, there, and I think there are some places, parts of the world, where you're going to be more hard pressed to find level four plus judges uh, that will will get on staff uh, beyond the head judge. Uh, Asia especially. Uh, but that said, you're still going to have, um, you know, a, a good opportunity there and, and a good, I think people are, people are still going to events. Okay. So you had, you had mentioned that, uh, as a, as an L4 that takes up a lot of responsibilities, you're going to be traveling, uh, some more, you're going to be taking care of a larger range of responsibilities than you currently see in your RC position. So does that mean, and I'm, I guess I'm asking a question I already know the answer to, but does that mean you're going to be stepping down as regional coordinator? Uh, so yes, it does. Um, the actual timeline for that transition um, is not formally defined yet, uh, but it, that will happen at some point in the, in the somewhat near future here. Uh, so I will be transitioning out of the RC role uh, for California, Arizona, Nevada, U.S. Southwest, um, but I will still, of course, be a very active participant in the community there. Um, and also, when the trans when the transition happens between one regional coordinator and another, it's not just sort of like a, a black and white transition where we go and, and one person's done, the other person starts. Uh, there's a there's sort of a, a graduated place there where, you know, at some point this new person will be taking on the role formally. Uh, but even after that point, I'll still be on the regional coordinators list, uh, you know, still able to sort of listen and make sure things are going well um, and be able to, to help out that person as, as they make that transition, um, and as they sort of ramp up their involvement in their role and sort of fill, fill into that part of the position. Um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge region with a lot of judges and a lot of, it takes a lot of work to be a part of it in, in that sort of leadership role. Um, but I feel very confident that we have the right, the right leadership to, to take that on and to, to transition into that effectively. Cool. And I'm still, your, I'm still your RC, Jess, damn it. <laughs> so, so put that effigy away that you were going to set on fire. Oh, well. We're doing it. No, I'm. I am setting it on fire. You've got no choice there. <laughs> it's just, it's the only. The only question is going to be if like the voodoo black magic has set in yet for the voodoo. Dog I mean, I'm. Thing. I'm on my way back I, I to Montana tomorrow. I'm going to stop in every state along the way. We're going to. We're going to bury a little doll that looks like sea cat. <laughs> All right, my story's getting morbid now. I'm sorry. Stop. <laughs> so I think. Are, are we done with the L4 topic? Unless Mr. Seacat has anything additional he wishes to add? Uh, I can just say that um, I, I am humbled by the trust that the program's put in me to get to this point. Um, 
and it's going to take a lot of work to make sure I um, adequately pay back that trust. Um, but I, you know, it's it means a great deal to me to be a part of it this way, and and it's going to just it's going to be awesome. And I, I really, um, I really am looking forward to being I mean to being able to to take what I've learned as an RC and apply it to everything else uh, and, and be able to help, uh, you know, just to sort of boost the signal and help a lot more judges um, solve the problems that they face on a day-to-day basis when they're trying to be that awesome leader in the community that so many of them are. I think it's, it's very cool. I was very excited to hear when you made level four. Yeah. And this is only after two years of being in L3, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Pro Tour Philadelphia in 2011. Uh, so it's just under two years. Um, Fastest to L four? Eh? Um, I I don't really know, and frankly, I'm not going to keep track of something like that. <laughs> uh, that's um, okay. We will we'll keep track for you. Yeah. I mean, Judge, Cast, John Cast, Judge Cast alumni Sean Cantonese, fastest to level four. I don't think that's the case. I think it's probably Lems. Uh, Lems <sighs> Lems's advancement was pretty quick, um, and deservedly so. Um, well, then Lims can come on the podcast to refute <laughs> our claim. Yes. Uh, but it's not. It's never a race. Uh, it's about finding the role that you want in the program and taking that on. That goes for anybody who's you know a level one looking at advancing to two. It's also a level two that's wanting to become a regional judge. It's, it, is that the role you want to have, and are you ready to take that on? And that's the... That's really the question. I mean, yes, we have some timelines in the program for advancement, but the question is, what's the role you want to take? How do you how do you take it on? And once you've taken it on, how do you execute it to the best of your ability? Well, you've done a very good job with uh, what I believe is the the most populous judge region uh, in in the country, isn't it? Um, I, I think we're always in a fight with Turner in the in the U.S. Southeast. Um, yes. He, yeah, it's it's always a struggle to see who actually has more judges. Um, I know it, it's always it's always uh, you know, and the same time judging isn't a competition between us. Uh, but but you are losing the competition. Yeah, you are. Kind if of it losing. were one, I'm not yeah. saying that it is, but if it was, if it was yeah, it would yeah. be. <laughs> Frankly, I'm okay with that because I know that the quality of judges uh, in the U.S. Southwest is uh, un- incomparable to, to the rest of the – I mean there's a reason that, that we put Grand Prix Las Vegas in Las Vegas and not you know Miami. I'm just saying. <laughs> I thought the right. reason was because it was Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, there, yes, there, there is, there is, uh, there is the Las Vegas factor. But really – I mean, we had it was very easy to find forty plus level two judges to show up at that event in a moment's notice, and and really, uh, you know, I mean, we we yeah. So and that's just only one example. Um, I, I would uh, I'd say we we have some of the best level one judges in the program, and we have some of the best uh, judges in the program overall as well. So I, I think we we yeah, we're awesome down here. So there. So so CJ, should we since he's the guest, should we let him? Let him get away with that and just and just move <laughs> well, on. Well, he can say whatever he wants. I'll just edit it I, out. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah. So the point that I was making <laughs> still stands, which is Sean's done an amazing job with what is a huge region uh, for, for yes, him to, to, uh, to have to take on. And, and in the time that Sean is, the RCA has grown pretty massively. Um, and so mm-hmm. he's he's not only took on something amazing uh, and said, oh, I, I, I can do this, but then it grew beyond what he was probably expecting, and he still did a great job with it. Uh, the growth 
has been crazy, but um, I gotta say, there. I mean, Damian Hiller actually, you know, he is a level four judge, and he is also the regional coordinator for twenty two countries. Um, you know, south of the <laughs> south of the border. Good. So, I mean, you can imagine. Um, you know, when World Magic Cup qualifier season comes to Damian's house, uh, that's a little crazy. Um, so there are. I mean, I mean that that that's someone who's a level four, and all, and it's not just a level four because he has twenty two countries under his under his you know over oversight. He also has uh, all of the the conference activity under his oversight as well. Um, I mean, that's a a huge amount of activity and a huge part of the program that he, Damian works with. Um, I frankly, I, I don't know how he does it, but he does, um, and it, it's uh, incredible uh, that he that he's able to execute so much of that. Um, I mean, yeah, we've got a lot of judges. Yeah, we've got a lot of people. But, um, you know, I look at that and I, I, I know that I can't be the regional coordinator and a level four judge and execute both effectively. Uh, so I'm going to be handing that off. But, um, yeah, that's yeah. OK, that's, that's where we are. So I'm going to I'm going to stop rambling here and let you guys get on with the rest of your show that you're planning on doing. So, yes, yes, yes. So, um, I guess. Wait, oh, are you able to stay with us, Seacat, or do you have to go? No, I can. I can stick around and, and okay, okay, uh, and uh, throw you know throw throw insults and whatnot from the back. Yes, back please do, please. Yeah. All right. So yeah, our main topic is actually not about Sean Kedinese, even though if we could make every episode about him, I would. Uh, no, that would get boring. Uh, that would get boring so fast. That would be I'll like tell you guys the story of when he was my roommate at PT Philly. We split a cab. It's yeah. magical. It would be magical like the evening. early days we, of Judge Cast, and it would be miserable. <laughs> we, we should we should uh, we should end every show with Sean Kedinese facts, calling back to like <laughs> Rob Castell and facts. Oh, no. Okay, you know no, what? Okay. We have to get to our main topic. We're not doing that. We have to get to our main topic. So everyone else be quiet. We're going to talk about our main topic now. So this was actually uh, suggested by a listener, and the basic topic is you just made level one. Now what do you do? So the, the goal here is to kind of explain some things that if you just became a brand new judge, uh, maybe what should the next steps be? How should you... Uh, should you do your thing. You showed up at you showed up at a G uh, at a GP and got tested, or maybe you know you've talked a little bit to a, a an L two and you show up at a PTQ and tell them a little bit about your store and you get tested and you make it, you know, and then you go back home and what do you what now? Oh, it can be a little daunting. Yeah. So probably I think one of the one of the first things to do is and it's probably too late for those of you who have already made L1. But uh, for those of you who are going to be taking the test is the guy that's actually giving it to you. He's he is a good resource right there. You know, if you have questions that we don't answer in this podcast coming up, ask him. He should he should know of, you know, like where where the uh, well, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, but yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely the guy right in front of you who gives you the test, you know, don't be shy about asking questions. Um, you know, if you want to know where to get a shirt from, or if you want to know how to get a name badge, or how do you get on the pro tour, you know, <laughs> the answer to all three of those is you won't. Oh, <laughs> not at level one. Sorry. <laughs> well, now, hold on. Hold on. on. Um, so, yes, a badge isn't made for you automatically anymore, but you can still request one. 
Really? Yes, you can still request one. Um, at level two, you should be definitely, you know, making sure that you have your name badge. Um, but at level one, yes, we don't automatically make them for you. Um, but in some parts of the world, it's really important for that sort of identifier. Um, and, you know, it, that's a that's a very useful sort of thing to be able to say, you know, well, who's the, who's the judge in the store? It's the guy who walk, walk in and I see that badge. Um, you know, I'm coming from out of town. I see that badge. I know that's the judge's badge and I'm, I know who the judge is. Uh, that's that's a great identifier. And um, while we don't automatically make them anymore, um, regional coordinators can um, can request badges for level one judges if if there's uh, an appropriate reason for it. Okay. So I want to talk about the shirt. Since Brian brought all this up, I want to go ahead and just knock it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get a shirt by working at a GP. I mean, that's that's basically where you get a judge shirt. Uh, as a level one judge, particularly a new level one judge, I would not expect to work at a GP for some time. Uh, generally, we, we have people work at GPs who are close to L2 um, or already L2, of course. Right. And the, and the so, reason the reason for that is for for the most part, uh, uh, Grand Prix require competitive REL knowledge, knowledge of the IPG, and that's not required for a level one. And if you are working and learning the IPG to the point where you could work a Grand Prix, well, you've you've worked and you've learned it to the point of being L two. Or, or very right. near of it. So get that level, bro. Right. Do the other do the other things that meet the prerequisites and then get her done. Right. <laughs> yes. All right. Get her done. Uh, yeah. And the other thing I want to add was, you know, you don't need a shirt to be a judge, right? You don't need a judge shirt. It, it kind of feels like people feel like, you know, oh, I can't judge without a judge shirt. Just, you know, the general standard uniform is just wearing all black. And as long as you're doing that and as long as people kind of. Yeah see you out there um i also like the idea of like community shirts like the florida judge shirts and things like that and the to it's really the to's responsibility to provide the the shirt that he wants people to be wearing at his events that's why wizards provides the shirt for their events you know uh so you know whatever your to lets you wear as long as it's you know not obscene (laughs) yeah i mean that's a joke you should be looking for you know the the store that you're working at. I mean, most level one judges are going to be associated with a local store primarily. That store probably has a a logo bearing T-shirt, something of theirs that they've already created to identify their employees or people that are working with them. Um, and so, just you know, find one of those that definitely. And at the larger events like that, a level one judge might get to. Uh, that are competitive, like a Star City Open, for instance. Those are great, ex- great opportunities for level ones to gain competitive experience. Um, they have shirts there that are specific to the Star City crew, and that's that's why they have those. Is because not everybody coming to those is going to have a judge shirt. Right. And, and you know, in addition to that, <clears throat> excuse me. In addition to that, if you're worried about being identified as the judge at your local store, just a quick announcement at the beginning of the event of, "Hey, I'm the guy that answers your questions. If you if anything goes wrong." call me over and I'll take care of it is fine, especially at a smaller store. Right. And furthermore, while we're still on the topic of shirts at regular at FNMs, <laughs> you're actually encouraged to not wear a judge shirt. 
because it it kind of you know it, it, the the whole purpose of F and M is fair and fun and you know you're kind of in it with the other guys and so wearing a, a more relaxed uh, I'll say outfit uniform whatever is going to help foster that that uh, that environment. Well, and that's, and assuming, that's assuming you're playing in the event as well. Um, if you're like a store employee who's not playing, then that is still fine to wear some kind of identifying shirt. Sure, sure. But I'm talking about like, like the, the blacks, you know, like your full judge uniform. Mm. So uh, what about hats at a pre-release, though? What if I wanted to wear one of those? <laughs> I hate, I hate yeah. you so much. <laughs> joke. Uh, okay, so you're a brand new level one. Oh, and then I don't, I don't think I've heard of a level one being accepted to the Pro Tour since, since the whole format changed. Uh, I did go to Pro Tour San Diego in 2009 as a level one judge volunteer. Uh, yeah. but that was a completely different era. That's what I'm saying. Like, ever since everything's changed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they had public events. It was, we've a reached a point. Story. It's pretty tough to get out on a Pro Tour as a level two at this point. Uh, very difficult. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, okay. So what's what's something else? What is what is when th- when they go home? Uh, what's probably one of the first things that they should do uh, when they go back from the PTQ and or Grand Prix where they tested or, you know, whatever they had the guy come back to their come to their store and test them. When they get home. What should they do? Take a shower. Yes, because magic players. GP plague. Yeah. Oof. No, uh, they should they should look to to join uh, uh, their communities, their their regions, forums, maybe Facebook groups or uh, mailing lists or whatever they have. They should look to they should look to join those uh, those communities, those smaller communities, uh, because that is probably where you will find the majority of like-minded individuals and people that can help you basically start working on building your support infrastructure. Yeah. And I, and I'd say every, I would imagine every region and or state in the United States at least has something like that. You know, we have, like we have a Georgia group. I know there's a Florida group. Uh, there's a Midwest magic judges group there. I mean, there, I think everything in the U S is covered. So there should be something to join. Yep. Uh, so once you once you join that, one of the other things that you want to do is introduce yourself to your regional coordinator. OK, this is, you know, even if it's just a simple hi, my name is, you know, my name is Brian Prillman. I live in Orlando, Florida. I'm a new L1 judge. Uh, I work at this store. So and so such and such. Nice to meet you. You know, my sign is Taurus. Uh, I'm an autumn, you know, whatever. Is your sign Taurus? No, but I figured I'd already given enough personal information. <laughs> I figured I'd throw some curveballs out there. I was born in 1828. All right, and so what if you don't already have a local store? <laughs> Brian, please share. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so ideally, in order to test for L1, one of the one of the requirements for testing for level one is that you have uh, worked as a judge at, at at two events within the last six months. Um, so you should already have like, ah, there's the store that I go and play F&Ms at. Um, so hopefully it's just going back to your shop and say, and telling your TO, getting high fives and being like, I did it, level one, woo! <laughs> yes, hopefully it's just that simple, but sometimes people move, 
they come into a new area, they're unfamiliar. In that case, um, you want to go to that store, you want to introduce yourself to the TO, tell them you're a new level level one judge, um, offer to help uh, run FNMs. Uh, you kind of get into this weird situation that. Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of good advice on how to handle this particular situation. So maybe you guys can can do this because I haven't been in it. Uh, is where you you come. It's a new TO, and you're like, "Hey, I want to run your FNMs," and then you want like free entry, or or you know, you want you're broaching that issue of like, "Hey, I'll work your events if you give me this in compensation." That whole exchange. Has anyone had any? So the first thing about that is that's a really hard thing to broach, especially if you've been the rules guy at the store for a long time. Um, but please broach it. Um, yeah. Please bring it up because if you don't, it's going to be really hard to talk about compensation for, for other events like GPTs or even PTQs down the road. It is just going to get worse. Um, hopefully, hopefully the TO uh, – you know, we'll we'll start to see your value, or maybe maybe it's something where you go, you play in a few of his events, uh, you answer rules questions, and then after he's kind of you know, for lack of a better word, I'll say, sniffed your hand and learned that you're <laughs> not a threat. Um, maybe you can approach the approach the issue, but sooner's better than later. Yeah, uh, one one thing I would suggest um, is actually talk to the TO of your local store before you go to certify. And make him a partner in getting you to actually uh, achieve level one uh, because he's going to be the one who gives you the opportunity to work with him in, his, in the, those first couple events. But then tell him you set up that expectation early on that, hey, you know, this is turning into um, this is turning into something that I want to formalize in terms of my my help. And part of that is me getting certified. Uh, another part of that is that. Once I am certified, there's going to be some some new uh, resources that are available to us. Uh, as you know, as first off, as a level one judge in your store here, you're going to be able to run Grand Prix trials where you weren't before. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be part of helping you build your competitive player base and community. Um, and then also, um, I'm going to be able to uh, have access to all these other resources that we, we get when we're level one judges. Basically, you know, you, you hook into the regional coordinator, you hook into all these other local judges. And yeah, you can you can get to know those people when you're not a certified judge. But when you are, it makes that process so much easier um, so that, you know, we can have uh, so that basically there's a great deal of value that you bring to their business when you become a level one judge. Um, and it takes time and effort on your part to get there. And so they should have an interest in recognizing that advancement um, and that commitment on your part. So that interest is, you can solidify that early on by simply telling them ahead of time, hey, I'd like to, before I even go and get certified, I want to, you know, when I come back and I am a level one judge, let's talk about where we can take this. Um, And so that means, you know, I'll be able to come in, for on Friday nights and be committed to your store in terms of helping you guys out, or I'll be able to commit a couple, uh, you know, a sat one Saturday a month to running a Grand Prix trial for you, and let's talk about how that works for you and, and what I can make sure that my time has value and that I'm being respected for it. Um, there's actually a store here locally um, that gives its employees a bonus when they become a certified judge, and so if I mean a lot of people that look to certify. Um, 
are already store employees. And so getting you know, starting that conversation early on with with that store owner uh, is is probably a good idea to get say, well, you know, I'm thinking about approaching this here. It's going to take some time and study on my part. Um, you know, when it, when that actually does happen, how do you think we should celebrate? Nice. Cool. Really glad we have CCAT on. Yes. So, so CCAT, here's a, here, I guess here's a question that we would not have been able to answer ourselves. Uh, what is a common question or questions you get from level one judges when they, when they commute, when they talk to you or open up communication with you? I mean, as RC, you, you get probably a lot of, Hey, I'm having problems with X, Y, Z, you know, how can I do this? Or what can you help me with this? The, the most common question that I get, um, and this is probably, it's not too uncommon for the other RCs, but it's probably more common for us in California because we have a lot of people that come to live here for shorter periods of time, uh, like college students, that sort of thing, uh, is that we get a lot of judges that come visit us for a while, a number of months, say, um, say they're students, that sort of thing. And they, they want to know how do we connect to the local community once I get here, because I've already certified, you know, my local store that I'm moving to here, uh, they already have a judge, you know, where, where's a good opportunity for, to, for me to continue getting experience and continue building. Um, and regional coordinators are the good point of contact for that new judge entering an area, uh, judges who move a lot, you know, it's a good point of contact for you because then you can go to, uh, they know who all the level two judges in their region are. At least that they should know who they are, who all those level two judges are, and they should have some idea. Uh, so you know, someone can from uh, Los Angeles can contact me, and I can pull up. I actually have a map that I've constructed that says, okay, so you say you're in Irvine. Well, to my brain, without that map, Irvine is in the massive concrete that is Southern California, but it actually is in a specific place with, you know. Okay, we can go to this judge locally who's closer to you than, than this other one. And here's a level two judge. He knows where some of the other stores are. He, he might have a lead for you on where you can go and where you can find a good opportunity. Uh, so hooking that new judge into the network, not just saying, you know, here's our Facebook group, but saying, here's a local mentor who can uh, take you under his wing. Or here's someone who you should definitely get to know in your local area, and he'll be able to, to put you in touch with these other resources. Um, because I mean, regions in, in this global regional coordinator system are still rather large and having local experts, uh, almost deputies, if you will, for the regional coordinator is, is, a, is a very, uh, important part of this. Okay. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a new L1. What events can I work? You know, I can, I can do FNMs. Okay. I can do pre-releases. Can I do any competitive level events? Well, well, technically you are allowed. <laughs> However, um, competitive level competitive level events require a skill set and expertise that that you don't have to have to pass the L one test, and you may have it before you take your L one test. And if you do, congratulations, and I'm really happy to hear that, and you'll be on the path to L two very quickly. But many L one judges uh, don't have. The, the knowledge of the IPG that they need to say run a, a GPT. Um, so like you got to be careful with that. Yeah, absolutely. Get some experience, but don't dive headlong into I'm going to head to a GPT because um, that's that's actually dangerous for you and the store you're working for. Yeah, I agree. Yes. So so that that is it, it. It basically boils down to what your what your steps are um, depends on what your goals are. There are a lot of there are a lot of people that look at judges and they look at that and they go Grand Prix, PTQs. That's what I want to do. 
Okay. And it's, it's, those are things that require the IPG and PTQ, uh, sorry, GPTs and Star City, uh, Star City Invitational Qualifiers are great smaller events to kind of cut your teeth on. Uh, but you do need to put in some legwork and you do need to, to, to study the IPG, which is not required for the L1 test, but it is required to run a competitive level event. But if you're happy, you know, and, and you are comfortable in your role at FNMs and pre-releases, great. Because in my mind, that's actually where the most fun judging is. You know, if that's where you want to, if that's where you want to be, that's, that is a great place to be. I, I have nothing to add to um, that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. There, there is a, a question of, well, how do you, if you want to do these larger events, how do you sign up for them? Well, that's a, that's one um, yes. question. But before we hit that, I, I want to talk about one other thing is that tournament organizers don't always know about this continuum that we're talking about of, of beginning level one to advanced level, level one to L2. Um, and so if you're in a store that doesn't have a judge and you come back and you go, yay, I passed, high five, got my L1, you might get the question immediately of, OK, so you can you run a GPT? Um, and so how do you deal with that when, when you're like, well, I don't want to do that cause I don't feel comfortable with it, but I'd also don't want to tell this guy, no. I mean, for that situation, I, I would ask uh, about bringing in a local L2 to kind of help guide you through it. Maybe, um, yeah, Shadow, exactly. yeah, if one's available. I think that's a great plan to say, Hey, um, you know, I want to do this for you, but, uh, I want to make sure that I have somebody a little more experienced to kind of make sure I'm doing everything right. Uh, can we bring on this, you know, X person who is m more experienced at this for this event to help me out? Um, and if you've worded it that way, most CEOs probably, hopefully they'll be good with that. Um, you know, and if you have trouble finding somebody for that, again, this is something where you can tap your RC right. for a resource there. Uh, you know, when communicating with, with some TOs, like I have found most TOs I've worked with to be very reasonable people. But um, I think sometimes a point you may want to get across to them is that people people don't view it as um, this judge is bad. They view it as this store has bad judges. Even if you travel from store to store, even if you're not only at one store, they if if a, if something goes wrong judge wise at a store, generally the people who are there will blame the store. And so you want to have a high quality uh, judging so that the event runs well, so that people will come back to the store. It's in it's in the TO's best interest to bring in somebody with experience if you feel uncomfortable doing it. Right. And probably if it's if the TO is asking, hey, I want to run a now can I run GPTs, then odds are he hasn't run a competitive level event either. True. Okay, and so you definitely want someone with a little bit of experience just to point out the things that neither one of you know. You know, like you show up at an event and, or you, you know, hey, it's GPT and they don't have a paper cutter or, um, you know, they, they didn't think to print out uh, deck lists or stuff like that. You know, things that things that could be easily remedied, easily remedied with someone that's done it, you know, like once We're before. sliding towards our... Uh how to head judge your first competitive event topic. Right, yeah. right. Um, Which is a great episode sure to go is. listen to if you're interested in that topic. Yes. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe instead of doing a GPT at your store, you want to work at another event. You know, you've been reading your, IP, uh, your IPG, that kind of thing, uh, and you want to go work at, oh, say someone posted for 
a, a Star City IQ or a PTQ or a 1K or a Star City event, you'd really like to get out there and, and go work it. You know, how do you find out about these events? Judge apps. <laughs> if it's yes. us. Well, maybe. Um, you're, and this gets back into your local community yes. forum. You know, some some groups, some areas put out announcements on Facebook or on a mailing list. Some use Judge Apps. And Judge Apps, which is uh, 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 Judge Apps.org. Abs.magic. It's like I type it in. I don't yeah. even think about it anymore. Abs.magicjudges.org, um, and it has settings where you can you can whenever an event is created in your region or in the world, or there's this this huge list of options you can choose to let you know when an event is in a region that you care about. Um, and then you can you can apply, and it's it's fairly simple, fairly straightforward. We talked about it a lot when we had James Bennett on talking about you know is, isn't it great how all this stuff yeah, ties fantastic. together? Um, it is. So you you can you can apply to these events um, again. You know, getting to know your regional coordinator, talking to him, uh, or talking to a, a a level two in your state is a is a great way to get your name uh, out there. Um, also with Judge Apps uh, is our mailing list, our forums, our announcements. And these are these are important um, for a new level one. Our, right, because they, they they tell us all the stuff that we need. They tell us about Mojo, not, um, which is which is this weekend. Next uh, week. But you're not added to those automatically. Is that correct? You have to apply. Is that right? I believe yes. so. Yeah. So after 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 you test and after you get promoted, I mean, you can you can apply for an account uh, even as an L zero, uh, but you they do check your account and confirm your account against your your level in Judge Center before you're uh, before you like granted l1 privileges um there there's something there's something if you're an l0 there's stuff that you can't do, uh i think yeah but i don't know what the rules are anymore it's been a while and right and it's some been, of them yeah. stem back to the dci family the old days but anyway so so when you're on uh so we have this huge forum set up where where people can ask questions and have discussions you know anywhere from uh uh you know, hey, there was this ruling uh, at the Pro Tour that I saw on camera and I have a question about to hats at pre-releases. <laughs> How where do you come down on them um, <laughs> for or against um, and a whole and a whole bevy. Um, so, you know, I would encourage you guys to read those, get, read them, participate uh, before you participate too much, though. Read the forum etiquette rules. Yes, please. You know, for example, yes. don't don't uh, respond to somebody if they post in the rules form. That's only for I think they lock the threads now, but that's only for approved people to reply to. The rules form is not for like discussion or anything. Yeah, there and and there there is there is asking questions, there is getting answers, there is discussing, but there's also a hey, start to realize when you're being a dead horse. Yeah. And some people don't realize when they're they they're, they're, they're a horse beater. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, but beating okay. horses is fun. No. no not for me. Not. California. <laughs> so do, do I need to know how to fill out the back of a match slip? Technically, no. 
Uh, no. no, that's not technically about it. You don't need to do this to to run an event. So, like, if you're running an event by yourself, then you're you're not going to need to because you're going to know what's going on when you when whatever notation you use, you're going to know what it is. Um, but if you if you're working like a larger event, like a Star City Games event or something like that, you're going to need to fill out the back of match. How do you learn how to do that? And it's a really simple answer to that question and that answer is you ask somebody uh, a team lead or a head judge depending on what the event is uh that's right in, right in front of you in the in the chain of command so to speak and you can ask that person hey you know what i've never filled out a match slip before and i don't know how uh the, the correct i don't know what the correct way to do it is how do i do that and they're going to answer that question and they're going to be glad you asked you're not going to look stupid you're going to look like somebody who is really interested in in being informed and making sure you're doing it right so let's uh let's mention how to fill it out though real quick (laughs) what do you not know how what no you do your name first name last name the player's name last name first name uh, category of infraction. Uh, well, we can just. I mean, no one's gonna. No one's gonna actually sit down and like type this or write this out themselves. It's something that once you see it, then you got right. it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I understand the point of an educational podcast where we're just like, ah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Oh, it's just. It's just one of those things that we could go over, and they're not gonna. Re- you know, they're not going to remember it. You, you, if you see it and you have it explained to you the one time, then you're, you're going to be like, oh, that's what it is. One thing I would recommend then is that – so there's this question of, of how the match slip gets filled out. That's the sort of thing that first off, match slips are almost only – almost exclusively used at competitive events. And if you're running your own competitive event, you'll actually figure out what the quickest way to do it is because the first time you need to actually document a penalty, you'll figure out how, how tough that is to get it in the right – order so that you minimize the work that you're doing on the scorekeeper's end. Yeah. But when you get to a larger event, that should be one of the first questions you ask your team lead because your team lead will definitely know the answer to that or should know the answer to that. And that's also something that um, gives you an opportunity to, to actually see it done because it's much better seen than necessarily just just discussed audibly only. Yeah. And yeah, the- yeah. And I think I think Europeans do it differently than uh, Americans. We do it right. It is something that's that that can be different regionally. Uh, So if you're attending an event that's that's nowhere near where you live, it's a good idea to check anyway, even if you think you know how to do it. Or if we or if we tell you something, it could be different, you know, because we are, as as CCAT said, we are global. All right. And so that's fair. But they also say things are like at eight eighteen hundred. And what does that even mean? O'clock. Yes, it's eighteen hundred kilometers. They don't say it's eight, eight, eighteen hundred hours. That's six o'clock. Like, I don't, like, they I don't say, understand. They say things are two hundred kilometers. They talk in those made up, <laughs> those made up uh, uh, units of telling whatevers. You know, so it's funny. As an aside, um, I think I, bet, I mentioned before in the show, I was in the military uh, for a few years, and uh, uh, in the military, you use the twenty-four hour clock system: sixteen hundred hours, seventeen hundred hours, etc. And I just got used to it, so I, 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 I have no problem thinking, thinking that way. Um, and uh, so, like some of my clocks, like the clock in my car, the clock on my phone, I, I have those set to that twenty-four hour system because I just got used to it. And so every time, like my girlfriend gets in my car to drive somewhere. She's like, I have no idea what time it's it is. So bad. Okay. I got, I got, I got uh, you one better. Okay, hold on, hold one on. Better, Jess. 
Sean oh. has to leave us now before we before we go into story time. No, but but I mean, uh, B Pro can definitely you know tell us this. All right, we're gonna help B Pro's stupid story, then we're gonna let Sean go. Okay, okay. So so the the one the one up is my my old job up in Northern Virginia. We we told time based on you know military time, but we also uh, told time in military time in on Zulu time. So not only was it military time, it was also either four or five hours <laughs> off mm-hmm. uh, uh, real time. So you're like, oh, it's it's sixteen hundred. Well, it's really no, it's really eleven a.m. in the morning, maybe. <laughs> yeah, working on Zulu time is always weird because it's never remotely connected to where you are currently, and it's just very odd. No. So I did the same thing. I set the I set my car uh, clock and had like my watch and stuff like that set to Zulu time because that's what I needed for work. And um, yeah. <laughs> All right. I Z cat. So long and short of it is check with the local people about what you should be doing. <laughs> Z cat. Yes. Well, we're going to keep talking about this, but I want I want to thank Sean Ket and I say for being on with us. Um, did you have anything you want to plug or anything like that, Sean? No, you guys have been doing an awesome job um, with the podcast. I'm really glad to see it keep going this way. And I think you're right, uh, Brian, you mentioned earlier, I think that that this or or perhaps the last episode marks the point at which you guys have done more JudgeCast than I have. Um, And I'm really glad to see Uh, that. It was actually like six episodes ago, but on this one? (laughs) (laughs) See? You've done way more JudgeCast than I have. And so... um, I'm really glad to see it, see it just do so well. And uh, I'm hoping to, you know, in my role as level four judge, find ways to support you guys and keep um, you uh, able to continue being awesome. So uh, keep being awesome, guys. And uh, the judges still listening through all this drivel about time zones and whatnot. Um, keep contributing to your communities. Keep being awesome. And I will hopefully see you at a GP somewhere in Asia sometime next year. All right. Whoa. All right. Thank you very much. All right. So there's a hole in my heart, a sea cat shaped hole in my heart, but we're going to slough on. Slough the right word? Whatever. Uh, so what should you bring with you to a judging event? I think this is pretty easy. You want to have a red pin. You want to have a couple of black pins and maybe a Sharpie. I have found it just so useful to have a Sharpie with me. Uh, beyond that, whatever uniform you're supposed to be wearing, you know, we talked about that a little bit, ask the TO. And uh, the black pins are for the players because players will always ask you to have some pins. Yeah, and that's that's kind of more at a competitive event, right? You know, at a... Yeah. Well, I guess I guess pens is black always... Pins, yeah, but the red pin, you're uh, right. If you're not yeah, playing on match slips, there's no reason to have a red pin. Yeah, we actually got a question in in one of the, the emails of why your picture you've got so many pins in your pins pocket. on the table <laughs> I, so uh, I picked yes, them all up and i put them in my pocket and then i happened that happened to be the event where i had my judge photo taken so anyway yeah um another topic brought up by the guy who basically wrote our show notes for us is he says um he, he asks like with the comprehensive rules how do you look up something that you don't know the answer for okay so this is in the comprehensive is- rules for so so I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, no, no. Go for it. So like the number one tip I have for anybody who wants to look something up in the comprehensive rules is use a, a website called yagatog.com. Yes, I have it open every podcast that we do. I actually have it open on like every computer I'm on. Yeah, I actually have it bookmarked, bookmarked, bookmarked not only on my computers at home, but also on my computers at work. 
Um, I have it so I can just click right. on it and go to it. Yagatog is is like the the comprehensive rules wikified, basically. Like you have the comprehensive rules. It's the entire comprehensive rules in one page, and everything is hyperlinked. So if you are looking something up and it references uh, last known information. You can click the words last known information and it'll take you to the definition and it'll tell you what rules it's mentioned in uh, and you can click and go to that. And so if you're trying to find something, you can control F, find something in that document, but everything also is just, it's, it's hyperlinked. So if there's something you don't understand, you can just hover over it. It'll give you a brief description and you click on it and it take you to that section right. of the rules. It is an immensely useful tool for looking yeah, stuff up. it makes up. me look really smart. And, and, bef and before you even get to those hyperlinks, control mm -hmm. F. You know, like you want to know, it's like, oh, I want to know how how soul bond works. OK, control F soul bond, um, you know, and you you'll you'll get there and then you'll you'll get into the hyperlinks and it might reference another rule. And you're like, oh, I'm curious about that. It's referencing rule 702.3.b. Click. Oh, OK, this is how it applies. So, yeah, hyperlinks and control F. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yagatog is, is is the resource, and then a lot of phone apps will let you search the comp rules too. So, I mean, that, yes. that's basically it. And sometimes you can't figure out how something works, and you know, sometimes you just have so, to ask someone else. Okay. Also, another great way, you know, because because in this case, it's it's asking questions about or looking something up specifically on the rules, but still, you want to learn because sometimes there's you don't know what you don't know. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and plug uh, a website called cranialinsertion.com. Yep, it's going to come up at some point uh, this we, podcast. Right. Might as well bring it up now. It is a is every Monday they put out uh, a rules article uh, where they have collected various questions uh, about various various cards and they just go through and they answer them all. They explain them. It's great uh, on you can you can subscribe to them on Twitter as well. Uh, and ask them questions, and they will answer rules questions in uh, in 140 character tweets as well. <laughs> so, uh, so that, yeah. So along yes. the same lines. Um, so say you're at a competitive tournament, or even say you're at FNM, and someone asks a question, and you don't know the answer to it. You just don't know. What do you do if you're if you're there by yourself? What do you do? You generally excuse yourself from the table, and it's like, I mean, like. It's better to go look something up than than pump the pump yeah. the call. Um, so you know, just say just say something along the lines of you know I'm leaning one particular way, but let me go confirm it, and then go and you know do your search on Yagatog. Get on IRC. Yeah. You know, call your your uh, uh, regional coordinator. I'll I'll tell you the the first time I head judged an event, we had a DQ. And I had to call somebody and be like, ah, what am I <laughs> there's like paperwork or something that I what do I do? And they were able to walk me through it. Um so uh definitely uh you know, if you need to phone a friend, uh well, I guess since this is for, for new O ones, get a friend, get a contact information, get a, a a place where you can uh get a place where uh Sorry, all these IMs on I know. Skype are, 
You guys are killing me. <laughs> We're fucking um, pros, man. You just got to ignore them. Move on. Just uh, a creature with defender yeah, can't attack. Oh my goodness. CR rules for some reason. <laughs> no, no, no so, so the CR, this, so since you brought it up, I wasn't going to. So when you were explaining Yagatog and you said that you talked about Soulbond and you mentioned CR 702.3B. So I went and looked at what CR 702.3B is, which is just a creature with defender right. can't attack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, I just pulled that number out. Yeah, I usually you don't hit real rule when you make up a rule number. When I started when I started making it up though, I was just like, oh, we're gonna get an email from somebody telling me that the rule has nothing to do with Solvon. Little did I know it was gonna be one of our hosts. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't even remember where we were. Um, oh yeah, get a get a um, uh, just try and form a network. Uh, if it's if it's your first event and you're curious about what to do, you know, talk to your again, talk to your regional coordinator. Find the find an L two, you know, get his phone number or his you know to be able to text him or something. Uh, uh, IRC is a great uh, utility. There are judges on there twenty four seven who are ready to believe <laughs> you. Good. Good, our Ghostbusters quota is filled. <laughs> Ghostbusters quota is referenced, right? Uh, and you can you can just log on and be like, "Hey, I'm running an F and M, and they just that someone just offered uh, a player, you know, hey, I'll scoop to you if I get your F and M promo. What do I do? You know, so yeah, there are there are resources, there are real time resources out there available to you. So. Uh, you never have to not have a safety net if you want one. Okay. I think one last topic we want to talk about is how, as a new L1, do you stay abreast of the news, uh, of the new rules, of rules changes and stuff like that? And uh, that's really not hard to do. Uh, one is if you're already listening to this podcast, we release an episode about it every time. So get excited for that. Bestow. Get excited for just yelling at me about how to pronounce bestow because I'll keep saying bestow. bestow. <laughs> I keep saying it. And I don't... <laughs> I don't mean to, but I don't know. Um, Monstrositus. Uh, there's also, of course, cranial insertion, as Brian already mentioned. And then there's also articles on the on dailymtg.com where uh, Matt Tabak literally goes through every single change that's happening in the rules. And so just once every three months, you just have to read these. And the vast majority of the time, the changes aren't that major. Uh, it's pretty easy to keep up with. Another awesome thing that Yaga Talk does um, is it will actually uh, make a diff of the old comp rules and the new comp rules uh, when the new comp oh. rules comes out. So you can actually you can actually put like the old and the new side by side, essentially, and just go like. Ah, this change and this change and oh, I didn't realize that they changed this one word in this one and rule. These twenty-nine rules were renumbered, and these twenty-nine rules were renumbered. I'm sorry, Brian Shank. <laughs> <laughs> all your all your judge tests have to have their rules renumbered now. All right, guys. So, do you have anything else you want to add for someone who's a brand new level one? Uh, get to know your regional coordinator. Get to know local L twos. Join the forums. Join your local your local uh, forums. Uh, shirt. Okay. Get so to no. A GP. No, you don't yes. have anything to add. No. Well, I was just running through. I was just like, you know, man, man. man. I don't know. I mean, it's one of, one of the things that we can't really necessarily help with because it's it's special in every case is just dealing with the to. Oh, here's <laughs> one. Don't get okay. Um, 
don't go into your shop and be like, hey, I'm an L1 now. I, I'm, the, I'm the boss or whatever, whatever the equivalent of that is. OK, you know, still still re- how to how to how to phrase this. Um, still recognize the fact that the T.O. is the T.O. and is a sen- and the T.O. gives the judge the job to judge. Um, if you go into a store and be like, I'm a level one and here's what you're doing wrong, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, that's probably not going to end well. For in, you. in the end, the TO is the final authority because he can remove uh, you if he wanted to. I'm not yeah. saying it happens. I'm just saying. I've, so that's that's the the TO mutiny clause. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that in. No. Uh, I'm just saying the TO could technically remove the head judge. To, to, okay, yes. to give a more a kind of common example of this, where you know, if if I if I have posted that it, that an event start time is one o'clock, I want to start it at one o'clock. TO is usually going to be like, mm, we can let in these last stragglers because they mean more money for me, the TO, and uh, you know, it, it's just the kind of thing where you can't be like, no, I'm the head judge of this event. We're starting at one. Cut it off. They all get tardinesses. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes you have to bend a little bit to accommodate the TO. Right. It's it should be it should be a partnership. Yes. Okay. In which case that that neither side is bullying the other. However, um, it's more likely that the TO is going to be able to push on the 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 head judge than the head judge being able to push back on the TO. You know, if if both are equally stubborn. All right. Let's let's uh, move on. Is that to our emails? Well, so this show is starting to get a little long in the tooth, and uh, we're actually only going to read one email, and that is the email that is... In the tooth. Yeah, long in the tooth. Is that not the phrase? I've never heard that phrase. Never heard long in the tooth? That means that they're old, which is shocker. I would know that. It's like a rat, their teeth. Anyway, their teeth don't stop growing. They have to gnaw them down. I don't know if it's actually related to rats. I don't think that's the origin. I'm just saying, I, I know a lot about while you read While you read the email, while you read that email, okay, I'm, I'm looking up origin. So yeah, this, this is the email where he actually suggested this as a show, show topic. We were like, okay, we'll steal that. Because he even wrote down like a bunch of bullet point notes. So a lot of what we talked about was what he asked about. So I want to thank Eric Crump for this topic. Um, I want to thank Eric Crump for doing a lot of the work for us. But he also sent us an email ask, uh, telling us about his first time at Gen Con. So I'm going to go over some of his stories here that he told us. Uh, he also opened with the header. Well, it's some comments, if you know how to code. Some comments is customary praise header. And then it says for int x equals zero, x is less than a million x plus plus. C out less than less than praise statement x less than less than int l. Oh, Brian's back already. Horses' teeth, unlike humans, continue to grow with age. They also wear down with use. But the changes in the characteristics of the teeth over time make it possible to make a rough estimate of a horse's age by examining them. Fascinating. Horse cat. Yes. Okay, so horse some cats. of Eric's stories. He, say, he says these are some of his highlights from uh, working Gen Con as a, I believe he's a level one. Yeah, his first large judging experience. Uh, he says he got to run a large beginner event where a few players had never played magic and many were very green. There's so much extra to do and know how to handle for something like this. It was a challenge, but by the third day event, I was asking to run one of these. He talked about head judging a competitive draft with high profile players that all revolted against the format I announced. After some tense discussion, I offered to let them appeal the structure. They were glad to accept my offer and the format was ultimately changed. What's that all about? Uh, he says, judging in a two-headed giant event where the head judge had never played or judged two-headed gi- giant before. Um, that's 
pretty well, that's brutal common though like i mean at any of these events it's always like hey who knows two-headed giant and even though we're all supposed to know it we there's always only a few people you get a free mulligan fortunately i had but i still had one of the rules wrong by the third round i think all the players are playing correctly getting information to players in a large event like this in a huge room is pretty difficult uh, he says he realized that some of the best advice he was ever given from a judge beforehand was always have a black pin a red pin and a sharpie hey look who just said that he uh, says he stepped into an event to let another judge go on break. The event was very large and it was hard to communicate. He says, when I got there, the event was a car headed for a cliff. Within minutes, the car was on fire and hurling for the bottom of the ravine. A player approached me and said he was dropping and that he ripped up his deck registration sheets and left them on the table. Eventually, four of us reigned in the event and it was smooth going once the first round started. I also want to say he saw a player ask a judge in front of his opponent. Judge, can I tell my opponent, if you concede, I'll split the packs with you? The answer is no, you can't do that. <laughs> Uh, he got called by a vintage player to answer a question. None of his cards were in English, and they were all altered or alternative art. I didn't know what any of the cards in question were. Uh, he saw a girl open a Thundermall Hellkite, a Huntmaster of the Fells, and a Colonial Hydra in her standard sealed pool, and when she built her deck, she played mostly white. What? <laughs> uh, he had his first appeal. That New just players. hurts. New that players. Just, it's, oh... I bet there's a lot of life gain in that pool. Assuming now she has to be a new player to play mostly white with that pool. Um, has first appeal, had a stand. The player was cold to me the rest of the tournament. Oh, that's a bummer. And he learned that if a judge at a neighboring event asked you to watch his event while he goes to the restroom, you should ask what REL the event is being ran at. I've um I've had that happen a lot where at a GP, I'll, I'll be on the public events and someone will call me over and I'll be like, what is this event? Like, what am I looking at right now so that I know how to handle this call? So thank you, Eric, for emailing us. Thank you for sharing your little stories from Gen Con. I don't know why I call them little stories. That seemed a little demeaning. Yeah, yeah it, it kind of was. was. They're actually they pretty are. good stories. I, I, kinda, I just wanted to share them, even though there's not really much discussion we can have on them, but just to kind of give give show what a judge at one of these large events does. Uh, a lot of this sounds like, because I, I judged Dragon Con once, and it sounds kind of similar to that. Uh, tons of new players. I mean, part of my job was just to teach new players how to play. Uh, so that was all pretty interesting. But that's the only email we're going to read for today because we want to wrap this bad boy up and go to sleep. And also, we're all very depressed that we don't have Sean on anymore. Nope, his melodious Ooh, voice. Melodious. Nice. Melodious. So if you guys want to contact us, you can contact us at uh, judgecast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. And of course, there's always our website at judgecast.com. You guys have anything else to add before we wrap up? No. I got nothing. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. My name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. Well, I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it bestow. 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 What do you think okay. we do with this thing since we took it over, Seacat? Yeah, I mean, you guys have done more episodes than I have at this point, so. Yes, we that's have. Right. <laughs> that is 100% I think, true. I think that's almost exactly at this point, actually. Well, I think we're over it. Are we? I'm not sure. I'm over it. I... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Who I, I take it may or may not be on the, on the line at the moment. Hika. Um, Hika. We are keeping it secret. Oh, okay. Shh. Okay. Well, okay. Magic of editing. He'll okay. be back. He'll be we'll back. I'm sure we'll cut that part out. We've actually got uh, a just soundboard. We'll just insert some mm-hmm's yeah. and yes later yeah. on. Sure.